Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzefa, as always. In the last few episodes, I know I've been focusing a lot about on, on going back to school themes. Today is no different. I'm going to be sharing an article from Maureen D. Healy, who is a creative development expert. And she has written an article on psychology today called How Schools Sometimes fail our children. And the subtitle is three missed opportunities in many schools. This really caught my eye and I enjoyed this article. And this is primarily because I'm about to start teaching this year in sixth grade. I'll be working at a school every day. We've been setting up the classrooms this week, getting all the logistics set up. It's very exciting. And I know the kids all pretty well. So that's, that's even more exciting. But This was something that really caught my eye because I'm not as experienced as what it's like to be in a school. I know from growing up and being a student myself, but I want to take these, I'm trying to really pay attention to these three areas in particular because they're huge challenges for teachers, for parents, for school administrators, and hopefully I can share this with you guys as parents, and also this is something that you can be mindful of as well, that these tend to be a bit trickier to fix or to monitor. Now, I I do believe that the school that I'll be teaching at is a cut above the rest. It's a phenomenal school. And my understanding is they're very good in in these areas. But just something for me personally to keep a special attention to, uh, focus on as the school year progresses. I, I really thought this article was great. Good insights. So here we go. We are going to go through the article. Of course, I'm going to interject throughout with my own feedback and insights. Learning happens every day if we are observant, but schooling happens every year as a child and adolescent. Of course, the start of a new school year brings many welcome changes, such as seeing your friends again, participating in extracurricular activities like soccer, and learning new things like Spanish, which can spark creativity. But some children who've had problems at school previously dread the start of a new school year, especially if bullying was an issue. Take Daniel Fitzpatrick, age 13, who went to a parochial school in Brooklyn, New York, and was set to enter 8th grade but unable to face a new year of relentless bullying. He decided to take his own life last week. He left a detailed note with the names of the bullies and also how school officials ignored his need for assistance. The outpouring of support for his family has been enormous, but it reminds me of three ways that schools often fail our children. They are, one, of course, bully prevention. Every school has a no-bullying policy, but what happens in practice? Are teachers and administrators listening, or do they tell students, you'll be fine, this will pass? With highly sensitive children getting bullied, uh, or highly with highly sensitive children getting bullied is akin to 
true emotional, mental, and sometimes physical abuse. I've heard stories of a child's head being flushed down the toilet to name-calling so nasty that I cannot put the words into print. So as educators, parents, and professionals, the time has come for us to step up our game and end this epidemic. Now, again, I'll be working at a, a lower school. I do. It does seem to me that this becomes a bigger problem in middle school and then an even bigger problem potentially in high school. And then somehow it, it vanishes more or less in college. In college, people sort of go and do their own thing and they grow up, they're more mature. It doesn't really manifest as an issue. But it is challenging. And I think it's challenging probably, again, this is me theorizing in parts, but I think it's challenging because you, you don't always see everything. And then you're not always in a position to take proper decisive action. You have to bear in mind the what what the parents or the students who are on the other side, you know, who are bullying, how do we how do we look at their needs and how do we essentially we stop them but we still want them to be a part of the community, maybe in some cases we don't. I can imagine it can get very difficult, but even just monitoring what's going on and trying to get them to empathize, which it seems to me the biggest problem. Bullies I I tend to think often aren't aware of what they're doing. Uh, to them, it just seems to be harmless teasing, but it's not perce- It's not taken that, that other way. So maybe some way trying to get them to understand what's going on will make them more empathetic and make them less likely to engage in this behavior, but it's, it's a challenge. It's tough. Okay, next, emotional education. The biggest predictor of life success is emotional intelligence, per Richard Davidson, neuroscientist. Most schools talk a good game about emotional learning, but what's really happening? Is your son or daughter's school helping them calm, refocus, and become more self-aware? If not, what are they doing regarding your child's emotional development? One success story is Robert W. Coleman's school in West Baltimore that sends children who are disruptive to the mindful moment room, where they've learned to self-soothe and deal with stress constructively. They also begin each day with a breathing exercise over the PA system. And the good news is it's really working. There were zero suspensions in the 2013-2014 school year, which is a dramatic decrease in this high crime neighborhood. So this is awesome. So I know for a fact that the school that I'm teaching at, because I even worked there last year as a substitute, they have all sorts of mindfulness regimens. They have so much devoted, devoted to emotional learning and maintaining calmness and peace of mind. So I think that's that's definitely seems to be the movement. Now granted where I'm teaching is is a it's a private school that's really on the forefront of education. They're always trying to up their game and do things that are in sync with what are what are the most effective and latest pedagogies and trends in the education world. So it's it, they they're really on top of the emotional education piece. But even if your child's school is not in this nice position, it's something that you can keep in mind of at home. I think it's important as well for kids to get involved with meditation and different practices at home in addition to breathing exercises that can help them learn how to deal with their emotions. There's an amazing practice called coherent breathing. If you haven't heard of it, this is akin to meditation as well. And there's a book called Coherent Breathing that you can you can check out and you can read and learn how to do it is very simple the gist of it is you essentially take five breaths per minute five uh sorry six seconds per each inhalation six seconds per each exhalation and that that constitutes five breaths per minute and you just do this for about 20 minutes 
every day. And you can, there's different music and things like that that you can download that give, give you a gong, which sig- signal when you'd inhale and exhale. Even something as simple as this can have dramatic effects on your heart rate, on your cortisol to testosterone balance, etc. All right, next, life skills. Similar to emotional education, we need to cultivate success traits in our children, such as Angela Duckworth's Concept of Grit. I just read this book, or what I call inner world, uh, inner confidence. It takes an inwardly strong person to thrive in today's ever-changing world, and this ability to persevere or fail up, as Tavis Smiley calls it, is invaluable. James Kindle, an American teacher teaching Somali students, said, unless we give our kids models of failure and accepting failure and growing from failure, they will naturally be afraid of it. It is this concept that schools need to build into the curriculum so children can learn how to use failures as stepping stones towards their success. Now, this is a really tricky one. I've talked about this before because the idea of making mistakes is such an integral part of life and an integral part of running a business and trying to do things that you're passionate about. And we're not, it's it's weird because we, while many teachers will tell us, hey, mistakes are great, you want to make them, and it's a part of the learning process, the problem is that it's, in, it's, it's incongruent with our grading systems. It's incongruent with our testing assessments. Their failure does not mean a new opportunity to learn and get better. It's just a point off and a movement down in the percentiles. So the problem is, Kids, while we may tell them the right things, they're not seeing this in practice. And obviously, when you have this type of incongruence, you just uh, you will naturally believe that people are paying you lip service and they just don't want to stress you out. But the reality is that tests matter. Making mistakes is bad, so on and so forth. This is a real challenge. It, again, at my school, we don't have grades, so we ha- we we're not con- we're not in that position where. We have to grade on a system regardless and so on and so forth. But it's still a challenge because no matter what, people still have that mindset. Parents still have that mindset sometimes. And I think it is important. I think people who have gone down the road of trying to build a business or gone sort of more down a non-traditional path, they understand a bit better that exactly the value of of failure and how it can be so constructive and beneficial. But keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. And and maybe at your child's school, if they may not be getting that precise message, make sure to deliver it to them. And read a book like Grit. Read a book like The Talent Code so you can understand a little bit better how this all, why this stuff all matters. Okay. Let me end with her last two paragraphs. You might think I'm a Debbie Downer for focusing on three areas where schools commonly fail for our children, but that's not true. I'm incredibly optimistic and believe we can only change what we see clearly. I consider the bullying epidemic in America having reached a tipping point where we must shift how we train educators, provide for supervision at recess, and ultimately guide children so they don't continue the chain of pain. One of the ways I'm doing my small part is teaching a new SEL Uh, social and emotional learning program, Seeds of Happiness, where there is a component that helps children understand what bullying is and why it's not a smart choice. This is emotional education, my second area of concern, where schools have a great opportunity to positively influence children's minds and hearts so they can become their best selves. After all, isn't that what we all really want? And yes, I absolutely agree that is what we want.
That's it for this article. Thank you guys so much for joining today. Again, if you want to check out the article yourself, go to the show notes at www.scalarlearning.com and I will have them posted there for this episode, episode number 91. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me at huzefa at scalarlearning.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. we got lots of great information and guests coming up in this next week. It would be great to have you subscribe. Thanks again, and I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Scalar, learning, give me that scalar.